Thank you for downloading from the Great Commission Society. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about our global ministry and team at www.greatcommissionsociety.com. One afternoon, a bus driver was taking 40 children home from school. As the bus made its way down a steep hill, the brakes failed. The driver was unable to steer the bus to the left because of a high embankment, and he also couldn't steer to the right because of a steep cliff. As the bus hurtled down the hill, the driver recalled that there was a narrow gate at the bottom which led into a field. He decided to try to steer the bus through the gate and into the field, figuring that it would eventually come to a safe stop. He hoped that no cars or other obstacles would get in his way before he got to the gate. When the bus reached the bottom of the hill, the driver saw the gate approaching fast. But to his horror, he noticed a small child sitting on the gate waving at the bus. It was too late to change plans now. If the driver tried to avoid the gate, 40 children would die. He cried out in anguish as the bus slammed directly into the gate. The innocent child died instantly in the collision, but the bus and all of its passengers were saved. Emergency vehicles were the first to arrive on the scene, followed shortly by relieved parents and grandparents. Many of them wanted to show their appreciation and gratitude to the driver who had kept the bus under control long enough to save their children. But the driver was nowhere to be found. They asked the police officer where he had gone. They've taken him to the hospital, the officer said. He's suffering from severe shock. Well, that's understandable, they replied. No, you don't understand, said the officer. You see, that little boy on the fence was his own son. God's decision to save us came at a great expense to himself. Jesus cried out in the garden, My father, if it is possible, make this cup be taken from me. In Matthew 26 verse 39. But it was God's love for us that sent Jesus to the cross. For we read in John chapter 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his only Son so that we could live. Our world is being violently shaken by the coronavirus outbreak. As countries try to slow the outbreak by going on lockdown, scientists are working around the clock in the race to find a vaccine. It seems the battle has only just begun. Hello and welcome to our GCS podcast with international evangelist and author Tony Anthony. With new information coming out every day about the coronavirus spreads, the severity of illness it causes and to what extent it may spread leaves many people feeling anxious and overwhelmed. The feeling of fear is palpable in conversations when the topic comes up. No one seems to know yet if this virus can be contained. So, what can the church learn from this global pandemic that can make us more effective in the Great Commission? Let's join Tony as he explores what we can learn from the coronavirus and how we can respond in times of crisis. The world's being violently shaken by the coronavirus outbreak, and our battle has only just begun. Experts are still learning about the coronavirus, COVID-19, with new information coming out every day about how it spreads, the severity of illness it causes, and to what extent it may spread. It can feel overwhelming at times. 
In GCS, we've been prayerfully monitoring the global COVID-19 situation. And due to flight cancellations, border closures, restrictions on movements and limited public gatherings, GCS have made the difficult but necessary decision to suspend a number of upcoming international mission trips. Our global staff are taking all necessary precautions to ensure the health and safety of all our teams and partners around the globe. The feeling of fear is palpable in conversations when the topic comes up. No one seems to know yet if this virus can be contained. The fear the COVID-19 virus is causing around the globe and here in the United Kingdom refreshes our calling to share the gospel. God is our one true source of hope in all things and at all times. We're reminded of this infallible hope, aren't we, when we read those words from Scripture in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The mission and fervour of GCS has not changed, and the work will not stop. We continue to share the gospel wherever we are and as often as we can. We will also work to be ready to take God's word and share it as far and wide as possible as soon as this virus is contained. We know a crisis like this leaves many who do not know God looking for answers, and we're ready to share the gospel with them. So what can the church learn from this global pandemic that can make us more effective in the Great Commission? First lesson has got to be understanding our fragility. This global crisis is teaching us how weak we are as human beings. The World Health Organization reports today, and we're towards the end of March, that there are over 207,000 confirmed cases across 166 countries, causing 8,600 plus deaths. Everyone's trying their best to contain its spread, and for the most part, I guess we're confident of eventual success. But imagine a virus even more aggressive and contagious than the coronavirus. Faced with such a threat, could we prevent our own extinction as a species? The answer is clearly no. It's easy to forget, but despite our technological achievements, humans are weak and frail. The words of the psalmist ring true in Psalm 103 verses 15 to 16. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower in the field. The wind, or should we say the coronavirus, blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. So how does this lesson of our fragility hit home? Perhaps by reminding us to not take our lives on this earth for granted. Again, another psalm, Psalm 90 verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. A second lesson is our equality in humanity. This virus doesn't respect ethnic boundaries or national borders. It's not a Chinese virus. It's our virus. Over 166 countries, I can counting, have been contaminated by this coronavirus. You know, we're all members of the great human family, created in the image of God, as we read in Genesis 1.17. The colour of our skin, the language we speak, our accent and our cultures count for nothing in the eyes of a contagious disease. In the eyes of the world, we're all different. In the eyes of the virus, we're just the same. In our suffering, in the pain of losing a loved one, we're completely equal there. We're completely weak and we're completely without answers as well. Although the church has an answer. A third lesson is our loss of control in a situation like this. You know, we all love to be in control, don't we? We fancy ourselves captains of our destiny, masters of our fate. The reality is that today, more than ever before, we can control significant parts of our lives 
We can control our homes, you know, our heating from our mobile phone, you know, our security remotely. We can move money around the world, just a click of an app. We can even control our bodies through training and medicine. But perhaps this sense of control is somewhat of an illusion. You know, a bubble that the coronavirus has popped, revealing the reality that we're not really in control at all. In some countries, authorities have tried to contain the spread of this virus by closing, opening and closing again our children's schools. But do they really have the situation under control? Right now in the UK, the schools now will be shut indefinitely, and we hope that will help. But, you know, what about us? Armed with our hand sanitizers, you know, we try to lower the risks of being infected. There's nothing wrong with that activity. But are we in control of the situation? Hardly. A fourth lesson is, of course, the pain in being excluded. None of us like to be. In the sporting world, for example, you know, the Arsenal football manager Mikel Arteta and Chelsea winger Callum Hudson Ode both tested positive for the coronavirus with the whole of the Gunners and the Blues, first team squads in self isolation. Many players felt relatively well physically, but were saddened by the reactions of people. Again, that exclusion isn't pleasant. You know, a number of days ago, a Christian was travelling to northern Italy, and on her return to Naples, she was exclu- excluded from a dinner with work colleagues. She was told it would be better for her not to come due to her recent travels up north. Even though she hadn't been anywhere near the red zones, and wasn't displaying any of the coronavirus symptoms. Obviously, this distancing hurt her feelings. So being excluded and isolated isn't an easy thing, especially since we were created to have relationships. But many people now are having to deal with this isolation. It's an experience the leper community of Jesus' day knew all too well. Forced to live on their own, walking the streets of their hometowns, shouting unclean, unclean, we read in Leviticus. A fifth lesson is the difference between fear and faith. What's your reaction to this crisis? It's so easy to be gripped by fear. It's easy to see the coronavirus everywhere you look, on the keyboard of your computer, on door handles, in the air you breathe, in every physical contact around every corner waiting to infect you. Are you panicking? Do you feel an urge to stock up on toilet paper? (laughs) Please don't do that. You know, just buy your normal amounts for goodness sake. There will be enough. Or perhaps this crisis is challenging us to react in a different way. Perhaps with faith and not fear. Faith not in the stars or in some unknown deity, crossing your fingers, no, rather faith in Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd who is also the resurrection and the life. Surely only Jesus is in control of this situation. Surely only he can guide us through this storm. He calls us to trust and believe, to have faith and not fear. A sixth lesson, our need of God and our need to pray to that God. You know, in the midst of a global crisis, how can we as individuals possibly make a difference? Often we feel so small and insignificant, but there is something we can all do. We can call out to our Father in heaven. All of us can do that. Pray for the authorities running out of countries and cities, you know. Pray for the medical teams treating the sick. Pray for the men, women and children who have been infected. For people afraid to leave their homes. For those living in red zones. For those at high risk with other illnesses and for the elderly. Pray the Lord would protect us and keep us. Pray to him that he might show us his mercy. You know, we read in Revelation, don't we? Revelation 21 verse 4. Pray also for the Lord Jesus to return, that he might come back 
to take us to the new creation that he has prepared for us, a place with no tears, no death, no mourning, crying or pain. And I'd like to also add, no coronavirus. A seventh lesson, the meaningless of so much of our lives. Don't we read there in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 2, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Well, it's so easy to lose perspective in the midst of the madness of our lives. Our days are so filled with people and projects, works and wishlists, homes and holidays, that we can struggle to distinguish the importance from the urgent. You know, we lose ourselves in the midst of lives, don't we? Perhaps this crisis is showing us what to concern our lives with. Perhaps it's teaching us what's really important in our lives and what is meaningless. Perhaps this crisis is reminding us what we should concern our lives with, the more important things. Perhaps it's helping us to distinguish between what's meaningful and meaningless. Perhaps the Premier League or that new kitchen that you were thinking about having or that Instagram post you're thinking about, you know, is that really essential to your survival? Perhaps the coronavirus is teaching us what really matters. And really, last but not least, the eighth lesson is ultimately our hope. In a sense, the most important question is not what hope do you have in the face of the coronavirus, because Jesus came to warn us of the presence of a far more lethal and widespread virus, one that has struck every man, woman and child. A virus that ends in not only certain death, but an eternal death. Our species, according to Jesus, lives in the grip of a pandemic outbreak called sin. What vaccine will you turn to in the face of that virus? What is your hope? The Bible says that God is perfect and free of every virus. God has not allowed any virus of any kind into heaven. All of us have a body and a soul, and when we die, our soul lives on forever, either in heaven or hell. If we've broken just one of God's laws, for example, if we've ever lied once, cheated once, hated once, just once, then our soul becomes imperfect, infected with the sin virus, and we can't enter a perfect heaven. The good news is that God wants to rescue and forgive us. He wants to bring us the ultimate vaccine. According to history, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come into our sin-infected world to bring us this vaccine. He was the vaccine. He did that by living a perfect life. He then died a cruel, painful death on a cross to take the punishment that we all deserve for breaking his laws in order to give us this ultimate vaccine. However, there is a way for the vaccine to be administered. There's a way for it to be received. If we put our trust in the sufficiency of what Jesus did for us and do two things, we can be forgiven and one day enter heaven. First, put our faith in God and be willing to turn away from anything that we know is wrong in our life and say sorry to Jesus. God promises to help us with the things that we are powerless to give up if we allow him. The second, we must surrender our life to Jesus Christ, acknowledging him as God and then humble our lives to him in service. If we do these two things, one day when we die, we'll go before God on judgment day and God will say to you, my beautiful son or daughter, you have accepted my free gift of forgiveness through the death of my only perfect son, Jesus Christ. So welcome to heaven. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? You know, is there any reason why you shouldn't turn a surrender to Jesus Christ right now? Would you like to receive this antidote right now and turn a surrender to Jesus? Well, if so, please join me in saying this prayer. 
Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I'm so sorry for all the things I've done wrong. Please forgive me and help me turn away from everything I know to be wrong. I want to put my faith in you and surrender my life to you. Help me to start living life your way every day. I pray in your name, my Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. I hope you said this prayer and may this hope become a reality in your life. And perhaps we can ask that you continue now to seek God in prayer. You know, we read in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. See God in prayer. Immerse yourself in God's word. The Bible tells us every word of God proves true. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. So immerse yourself in God's word. Guard your heart. As we read in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So guard your heart. Care for others. Don't we read in Galatians chapter 6 verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Care for others. And finally, support God's work. You know, we're challenged in Philippians chapter 2 verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So support God's work. So please continue to seek God in prayer, immerse yourself in God's word, guard your heart, care for others, and support God's work. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We will continue to pray for each of you that you have peace, health, and a passion for the gospel. We will get through this. God bless you, and keep on keeping on. We hope you enjoyed the message. Please subscribe and leave a rating and review to help others find our podcast. At GCS, our mission is to communicate the gospel message relevantly to every person in the world. One way we do this is by providing practical resources to help you grow in your faith and present the Christian faith across different cultures. You can find out more about our resources at www.greatcommissionsociety.com If you would like to donate to our efforts, be sure to contact us or you can donate online. GCS is a listener-supported ministry and is chaired by a board of directors in Edinburgh, UK.